So I do see that the city will fill out again. It might take a little while, but I think that the city will become a glamorous place of engagement rather than schlepping. And engagement, shopping, experience, the arts, a showpiece. This week on Dirty Linen, we are whizzing around the country and talking to people in the various cities. The CBDs in our nation have been an area of great concern through the pandemic. As we know, people have been told to work from home. Our cities, once thriving, are suddenly dead. Are they coming back to life? What needs to happen to uh, ensure that they thrive? And who are the people to tell us where they're at? We're starting in Melbourne with Jane Semple. She's a sommelier, but she's currently selling sandwiches. She's optimistically opened a new business in a part of Melbourne. I guess you wouldn't even say it's it's the hip central foot traffic. You wouldn't. You'd have to say basically, Jane, that you're an optimist. I think your sandwich place is fantastic, King William takeaway. I've eaten the sandwiches and they're awesome. But uh, yeah, Jane, welcome to Dirty Linen. And how are you? I'm good, Danny. It's a beautiful day in Melbourne. Thanks for having me on. And um, it's good. It's good to be talking about Melbourne, the city. So tell, let's start, let's backtrack a little bit and tell us about the, the jobs that you've had in the city of Melbourne and tell us about your connection to the city. Uh, deep connection. So um, I'm actually born, or well, I was born in Adelaide and spent my early years there. My dad was um, in the army and we had a posting over to Portsea. And we all fell in love with Melbourne, the whole family. So we took the next posting we could back to Monash Uni and we're in Mount Waverley for a few years. And in that time, my parents who loved dining out, we'd into the city, we'd go, we got a Rosati. <laughs> and then we, um, and, and Florentino. And, and then we had to go back to Adelaide for a couple of years, which is where um, I finished school, went to uni and then came straight back to Melbourne as soon as I could. And I'm just trying to think. I, I, I lived at the George in St Kilda at the time, which was such an amazing time and perhaps a time for us to be reflecting back on now. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I sort of think about Don Levy in that time sort of pushing through you know, bringing a new era into into how, I mean, it was St Kilda, but the city at the same time, once he got those licensing laws pushed through, the city just exploded with, with culture, laneways, bars. You didn't have to eat a meal or have a club licence to serve liquor or anything. It was a real, it was, it was quite a time. Yeah, so those laws um, came in in the late, 80s early 90s if I'm right so yeah and so he owned the George Hotel in Fitzroy Street St Kilda and um, I guess rebuilt it that's where the Melbourne wine room came in there was the famous bar where uh, I, I'm sure I'm not alone in recalling with a shudder you know some very dramatic moments with boyfriends soon to be ex-boyfriends soon to be future boyfriends it was just like a real place where things happened um, so yeah it definitely a, a symbol of, of Melbourne's rebirth and you know a, a very important time in St Kilda but definitely flowed through to the city and 
um, the change in those licensing laws can be uh, is, is a real catalyst for Melbourne's laneway culture and, and the city really coming to life, you know, more people moving into the city to live and and to play. So it, 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 I remember when I was a kid, it was really every, everything closed, you know, pretty much from Saturday afternoon through to Monday, it was dead. But it, it was it was already a draw. I remember going into the city after school and just wandering around and just thinking it was just, you know, there'd, there'd be things happening, but it wasn't, it definitely, you know, through the through the nineties and the and the two thousands, um, our city became somewhere that was such a magnet for people that live in Melbourne, but also, you know, became a place known internationally for its great dining culture and its buzz. And it it was a twenty four hour city too. Like there was always, um, you know, always things to to do at any time. Maybe not twenty four hours. I think the Exford Hotel was the only thing open between four and six a.m. But generally, there was just something to do in Melbourne all the time and it it was I loved that it was like a really great contrast to Sydney in that Sydney had its beauty and I love Sydney um, you know in its own way but then we had this different culture down here it was a different city for people to visit when they were in Australia um, so I yeah I just think those while that happened in St Kilda with Don Levy it, it's the city that really took off um once those laws were pushed through and all these little bars and all everything we take for granted now um that we need to re-engage with well that's it but i suppose that what the pandemic's done is shown us that we can't take those things for granted um those those tiny laneway cafes and bars are um you know suddenly you know in when you're thinking in a in a coronavirus landscape they seem quite perilous and of course when they don't have those people flooding into the city every day to work um, and to shop then um, the business case for those uh, those premises is, uh, falls away so what uh, the city really um, has been dead and you know, businesses are opening, Melbourne is coming back to life. But tell us what you're seeing, Jane, and and tell us tell us why on earth you opened a sandwich bar on Flinders Lane between King and William Street, a, a bit of the city that seems to be eternally beset by dusty construction trucks and cranes, car parks, there's nowhere strip joints. Yeah, like it's not the most salubrious part of town. It is. It is behind the Rialto, so we do have you know the escalator up to the the plaza that takes you to Vudimond, but it's not really a place that people hang out. So um, tell us tell us about your particular brand of optimism that's seen you open that business, and then talk about you know where the city's at at the moment. Well, the um, King William it just sprouted from a storeroom that. Um, that we sort of have thought about doing something with over the time. Like in the way our commercial kitchen operates there for um, our event company, Goody, it, it just it wasn't really a usable space. We did think about putting pastry in there, but it's quite a, it was quite a warm area, not cold enough for a pastry kitchen. So it's just sort of been sitting there with a few ideas bobbing away. And then... Um, um, a young chef, Steph Britton, who I've, who's a, a long-time friend, bobbed up and we said, why don't you 
take this area and she's off she's gone with King William seriously upstanding sandwiches from the slightly dodgy end of town. <laughs> They're quite epic sandwiches. <laughs> um, and it's, we are just being in the city, we're deeply entrenched with corporate culture anyway. This is why we also made the other mad decision of opening a commercial kitchen right in the middle of town. And it's because we wanted to be right in the heartland of our, of our corporate clientele. So where we are is that financial and law area, which always seems to be close to where the nightclubs and strippers are all over the world. I don't know why that is. Um, and then we've got Docklands on one side of us and um, South Bank on the other. So we're just right in the beating heart of all our people. So there is definitely an audience. They're just not home at the moment. Well, they are at home. They're not, but they're not with us at the moment. Sorry, let's just backtrack and just explain what Goody is. Yeah, Goody Group is our corporate event company and, and catering, so like seminars and conferencing and office catering, but also lots of corporate events. So at this time of year, you normally, we wouldn't be speaking. I'm normally running around like crazy hosting or, you know, putting on events all through the city on every floor of, or not every floor, but some floor in most buildings through town for Christmas parties. Okay. This year, not so much. This year, not so much. <laughs> but so, Jane, as, as a watcher of the city, like what are you seeing as, as you walk around and, and ride your bike around? Well, to... Um, well, we're on the permitted business list as because we were delivering food and, um, you know, technically take away, not that we were doing any. So my business partner, Lynn, and I have been back at work for weeks. Um, so I've really watched the city started, starting to, to sprout, but... It was so bleak going in those first few weeks. But um, such is our attachment to it. We just felt like we had to be there as, you know, maybe the anchor citizens ready to greet people as they come back with some services. So that's very community spirited of you. Well, to be honest, I think perhaps we were really needing to keep our definition of ourselves as well even though nothing was happening. It was like hold, hold ourselves with that definition of our space and, you know, where we reside in a, in a commercial sense. So, yeah, and then the council, the City of Melbourne Council um, started a concierge service and a great girl, Linda, called me and said, what can we do? Let's do something. And... Over the time with her, we've, um, we've, well, within three weeks, I was able to get an outdoor permit for 50 people um, and then a licence, the, the VCGLR, I think it's called. I, I had a licence for outdoor 50 people within seven days and then a parklet arrived, um, which are these sort of gorgeous little... AstroTurf 
things that they assemble up to the gutter out onto the street, taking up car park spaces. And then they clad them with um, planter boxes. They're really cute. And the City of Melbourne's done all that for you? Yeah. Wow. And then they gave me a permit to take over Treasury Gardens in February so I can run corporate events through there, heralding a new corporate year for people in an outdoor, super safe, very relaxed space. So the City of Melbourne has been incredible. Once, I think once they started talking and actually pushing things through, um, and I think they must have been given a real sense of confidence to start saying yes to things, which is unusual for any council, but that's been my experience. That It's just been really good. I can't commend them highly enough. I feel very supported by them. I mean, that's so great to hear. I've heard different stories from the City of Melbourne, so um, of people dealing with the City of Melbourne. It's, uh, I wonder if it's just been in the last few weeks that they've really started pushing things through. Is that, is that how it's been? It, it has. That's such a good point. Yeah, because I did get, uh, there was another project just actually getting the roller shutter in for King William. I mean, that just took me months and I had to lean on like some really old school sort of contacts <laughs> with some clout, some CEOs of various organisations that, that I've worked with over the years, you know, emailing the council on my behalf and that kind of thing to get things through. And I've also been really persistent. Um, but once they got it, um, they got it. It's interesting, and isn't it? Because, I mean, not everyone would, um, I guess, you know, just through your uh, you, the space that you work in and, and who you are, like you've been able to, you've got those contacts. A lot of businesses wouldn't have someone that they could get to help them with stuff like that. Um, and they perhaps wouldn't have the confidence to be that persistent. So it's it's interesting, you know, the, the, we know the squeaky wheel gets the grease in, you know, every arena. Um, so, yeah, good on you for, for being persistent. But I, I guess that I think that's, I think in small business you do need to be really tenacious. I've learned that. And I, it's really made me admire all the restaurateurs that I've worked for over the years about how they got get things underway and, and going. So it, it, you do have to be really persistent and driven. And then after a while, the business sort of takes on an entity of itself, like a, a it's its own, well, it's obviously not a human, but it's an entity and um, it has, it has its own vigour and energy. It must go forward and you're just there to make sure that that happens. So um, that's, how we, that's how we feel about our business. We're probably going to be the last to come online, corporate events, but um, I just think we can hang in there. Mm. It's interesting, you know, you talked about feeling like you needed to be there as the city came back to life. Um, it's almost like putting out that welcome mat for people who do return to the city. And yeah. I, if I think about, you know, what do you, what do you really need um, when you're spending time in the city? It's like you just, you need something for, you need a good lunch and a great sandwich is um, definitely an amazing option for, for, for a good lunch. Um, ha how have you approached the creation of those sandwiches? Well, um, at the foundation was... Um, and, you know, I'm pleased to, it, it heartens me to say that um, everybody says this now, but at the heart of it, it was really good produce, you know, ethically sourced meats and organic 
where possible, locally sourced really quite strictly. Um, so, and I know that is said a lot um, these days, but that was the foundation. And then, of course, you just build from there. Um, our sandwiches are—they're not—they're not groundbreaking, but they are unusual. I haven't found them, and I, I can say this because I didn't actually design them. Um, but they're—they're they're really layered with different elements, but they're not confused. They're quite classic. Um, but. Um, like the, the meatball has that holy trinity of Italian cheeses, which are all produced in, in Victoria. Um, and I think it's a basil salsa verde on there as well. So there, there's quite a few elements, but they're still quite classical and, and simple. So I do think that they'll really suit the, our court. We call them Koyos, young corporates. Um, when they come back <laughs> and, and um, it, it's really nice, particularly down our end of town, which is, you know, really dead. I must say that Spring Street is just absolutely fabulous. It's heaving. Um, Dostasio, there's just people outside all the time, Denton's Wine Bar, and then heading, of course, to that precinct that Con owns. <laughs> That's just amazing and, um, you know, down Burke Street and then Flinders Lane with all its parklets, you know, starts cruising past Cumulus, you know, and it just keeps going from Cumulus to us basically, uptown, downtown. And that's a really good walk for people to do if they, you know. And these things have sprouted up. They're fun. There is a lot. Of, there is a lot happening, and there's a lot that's still closed. So Chinatown is there's there is stuff there, but there's still a lot of places closed, and a lot of places that look like they're not going to reopen. And I'd say that's. Um, I mean, you do see permanently closed businesses dotted all around the city, which is is really sad, but it's also understandable. What you've talked about, you know, you've got this. Um, uh, outdoor pop-up in the Treasury Gardens in late summer, which is which is fantastic. Like, how do you see, and what are you hearing from your corporate clients about 2021, and what they're what they're planning in terms of return to the office? Uh, what's your what do you how do you think the city's going to track back? Well, I think that I think there's a permanent change in that, and and it, it's a good change in that. I think people are being trusted to work autonomously. And I think that's a really good feeling for people is to be able to, um, you know, regulate their work in, their, in a way that works for them in, in their lives and be accountable um, not by observation but by what you're turning in or on your deadlines and things like that. And I think that it's great that there's a bit more flexibility but... I think it's a pretty dystopian future if everyone just rolls out of bed and into a work pod in the same environment day after day, year after year. I think that we do need to connect and engage as humans. You know, it's a very obvious thing to say. So I think maybe we'll see um, people working partly from the inner city office and partly at home or another thing we're hearing about is a hub-and-spoke model where there, there's the mothership in the city, but then there's, 
suburban hubs where people can drive and have a meeting in that sort of space as well, like shared workspaces. And so it's all sort of opening up a little bit. And what I'm optimistic about is that, that I think the city will become a place of, of engagement rather than slog. So that's exciting. We're there for you. <laughs> that's a really interesting take on it, Jane. So it's, it's more uh, almost project-based that people aren't just coming into the city because that's what they do every day. It's that it's, there's more of a reason for it. I mean, I could imagine that that then works better for corporate events and perhaps not as good for lunch spots. I mean, is, what do you think? Well, as I said, I do think when people are coming in, it will be about engagement meetings um, and and being with people, connecting, getting the ideas happening, throw you know hashing the projects, and then off they go and work work at home or or in a in a space outside of the city. But it just means there doesn't have to be this crush of and schlep of time on transport every week or day after day. So I. The other thing is that, you know, in time we will refill the buildings even with people working from home. You know, we'll, I hope that we get some great policies <laughs> down the track for getting our migration and population growth going again and our students, overseas students back. And So I do see that the city will fill out again. It might take a little while, but I think that the city will become a glamorous place of... of engagement rather than schlepping and shopping engagement shopping experience the arts you know a, a, a showpiece and then life is happening the schleppy parts happening outside that's really interesting do you think it'll be a place that Melbourne will be proud of again definitely definitely I think anyone who's coming into the city now is and I, I understand a lot of people are shy because they've been in the in their bubble. Also, you know, as I said, we've been coming into work for a while, so we're much more robust about um, seeing people again, and you know, we're we're a bit more used to it. Um, so I understand that some people are a little bit more apprehensive about coming back into town. But if things are managed well, I mean, public transport. I believe could be monitored by the operators a little bit more, just ensuring people are wearing their masks so that everyone does feel safe coming back in. Um, but the city itself is all about streets, so you're not sort of in a closed shopping centre or anything. It's all about being out without... And I know a lot of people who have just started coming back in and they're... I was just speaking to someone this morning who um, went from Gimlet to Embla to Gimlet to Angel Bar last night. I mean, what fun. <laughs> yeah, that does sound fun. I know. They obviously le left their coat at Gimlet and had to go back for it, did they? <laughs> they just did this crawl around. Yeah, well, that, uh, Gimlet is amazing. So they just went, oh, can we go back there and have another, another martini? Yes. So off they went. So I just, um, 
you know, and it's it's still just so beautiful sitting out relaxing in front of the city wine shop with that great service that um, and walking through the gardens and and shopping, department stores. We've got a way to go. I think, you know, as we come back, I think that Melbourne will find really get creative again with the support. So it looks really cute in there, the parklets and mm. the floral. Did you see any of the floral stuff? Yeah. So tell us tell us about the floral installations. I think they're a bit early, um, maybe not quite enough people around in some parts. There was one in the Rialto that had barely any audience that was lovely. But there's a big one from Vazette. Um, I think they're down now um, over Flinders Street Station, like just a, a massive arch of um, natives in the way that only Vazette can, can do. It was extraordinary, so beautiful. And then there was another one from um, I think it was Katie Marks, well, I hope that's right, that lined the, um, the arches down the side of the GPO with massive king proteas. I mean, it was so stunning. That was really romantic. That was really nice. Mm. There was another one down the side of Pellegrini's. So I guess City of Melbourne funded floral installations, which, again, you know, as you sort of talk about laying out the welcome mat, I feel like those flowers were, I suppose it was was a very overt um, indication that life was returning to the city. And that is just. Yeah, the metaphor's not lost on any of us, I'm sure, but. as a sign of of renewal and hope and colour and activity and um yeah look hopefully there will be uh visual and oral and you know active reasons for people to come into the city it was you know there was the my christmas windows are there you know um almost the emergency version but that's okay there are people lining up to look at them um so yeah look it's definitely a very different December but it's it there is a feeling around yeah and I think I think I was with a friend last night and he said we need um everyone needs like two weeks off of work we need to stop and re kind of relax and reset and go we're safe the weather's good let's get out there and I think that 2021 um will we'll just see a whole lot of optimism. I'm like, we've, we've done so well. I mean, we've eradicated it in Melbourne and I'm sure things will pop up, but, the, you know, by all signs, there's a good management of that, of the, of the control of anything coming up now with vaccination on the way. So I think that people will start to come out and, come back into the city maybe just to have lunch over over the summer and then I uh, I, I know like there's a, a group called CEO pledge of some of the large organizations who are really wanting to get their people back they know that the Victorian economy relies on a on a thriving city so that's what this uh, uh, event called Park Life Two Weeks were down there is there to herald the the welcome back, and it's out in a park with lots of space, low key. So it's not a um, it's not a a big sort of 
crown palladium event of, of that kind of nature. It, it's low-key, it's relaxed, it's, it's, it's subtle and intended for people to slowly reconnect with one another. I had a drink at Denton's last night. I am out and about, Danny, you can probably hear that, <laughs> um, before I went and met my friend. And um, obviously some workmates had decided that, they would meet at Denton's having not been in the city since March and the way they were just so thrilled to see one another and you know just yelling really just screaming with delight when that their mate that they hadn't seen since March on anything apart from Zoom walks in dressed up a bit not in a suit but you know in some groovy clothes and just that they were just so excited to see one another. We've really worked hard for to to yeah. To, we've really worked hard to get these moments back, and there definitely is a special a special charge to them. Yeah, and it it is it is a little bit sort of not scary, but I can see the apprehension at first. But I'm pretty sure that as people get with their families, the numbers continue being excellent. I'm sure people will just say, all right, let's do it. Let's get 2021 on the road. and Yeah, bring the city back to life. Well, just all of us as well, like all the businesses, not just the city but all of Victoria, um, all the, you know, if the economy is good then all our beautiful regional hubs are going to go much better as well. So it all just feeds off one another and I'm hoping too that we'll see some people from Sydney over summer. I understand that there are plane loads coming down to check out our restaurants again and there are. I know there's plane loads of us going up to Sydney <laughs> as well and to Byron. I saw this great post this morning where it was like oh, everyone was leaving Melbourne going up to Sydney for a couple of weeks um, and it says you know turn the lights out when you leave. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I think there'll still be a few. There'll still be a few people in Melbourne to keep the lights on. Um, ja yeah. Oh, definitely. I will be here. Good. Well, I'll be with you for a sandwich. Um, Jane, good on you for being a city pioneer and rolling out the welcome mat for everybody to to come back in to check it out, to explore in in a safe manner, and just to yeah feel proud of of what we have created and can continue to build. Um, as people in Melbourne and yeah, anyone listening any elsewhere, anyone listening elsewhere in the country, um, we are really looking forward to having you back. Thanks, Danny. No worries, Jane. Great to have a chat and um, yeah, yep. all the best for the summer. Come down and have a spritz. <laughs> Sounds great. One afternoon. I will. <laughs> this is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. <laughs>